one. We're going to be in uh, First Kings today, and I wanted to share uh, something Julian Music just uh, handed to me. Said, "Thank you for participating in the Angel Tree this year. If you signed up to deliver gifts, please meet Julian in the foyer after service to collect your packages and information." And uh, that's something uh, that the church here has done for is it 19 years has helped provide gifts for uh, children of parents who um, are incarcerated at the moment to uh, give them a great Christmas. And that's uh, it's just what a cool ministry. that uh, we, we, don't, we have no idea what type of benefits and blessings are going to come from that until eternity. I'm certain of that. And um, something exciting to be participating in. I know that just uh, there's many other ways to serve during this holiday season. And again, this is a time when... People in our world tend to think about spiritual things more than any other time. As Landon talked about, it's, it's a lot easier to, for us to think about baby Jesus than it is about Jesus on the cross, right? It's a lot easier for that. And so our world uh, celebrates that, and it's great to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And this is a great time to just invite neighbors. Um, go out of your way to slow down for a few minutes and say, who can I invite to come and participate this next Sunday? It'll be the day after our Christmas holiday. And people are more willing to participate than any other time during the year. So let's uh, look for that opportunity in the way that God may be working among us. I remember as a kid uh, just wondering, I wonder if someday, if I would ever find digging around the house that I grew up in, can you imagine digging and out pops this lamp? And it's old and it's got dirt all over it and you wash it off. And I take this, this lamp, and as a child, I rub my hands around it, look how beautiful it is, and guess what comes out of the lamp? A genie. a genie, that's right, a genie comes out of the lamp. Have any of you ever dreamed of that? What would be, wouldn't that be a, quite an amazing experience? The story of Aladdin is an amazing story. And Aladdin is the name of the genie. He comes out and he says, I will give you three wishes. How many of you know and are prepared for the time that that happens? What wishes you're going to wish for? Yeah. The third wish is always what? More wishes. Yeah, you wish for more wishes. I wish I had a thousand more wishes and and then you can choose whatever you want from there. But if you just had three or you just had one, what would you wish for? Think about that. Yes, maybe that would say a lot about us. If we wished for being wealthy or wished for whatever, it would say a lot about what is in our heart. And we have something similar that happens today uh, with a guy named Solomon. And this is the son of David. David, as we uh, talked about the last weeks, he gets old. And David finishes well in the sense that he finds a good transition plan. He doesn't hang on to power indefinitely, but he finds a way to transition power to his son. It's not a completely a, a smooth transition because David's oldest son tries to seize power and he didn't apparently have the character of, uh, of Solomon. And so David makes sure that his oldest son does not receive uh, the throne. And remember, was David the oldest son? No, David was the youngest. And so he remembers and he knows that character matters more than birth order. So when Solomon is made king, we learn some amazing things about him about wisdom and prosperity. And that's the next section that we're at in uh, God's love story. The opportunity for all of us to read together and to start in Genesis and finish in Revelation uh, through uh, through September through May. 
And so this is, I want to, I read this here a few weeks ago and I wanted to read it again because this is important. Because as David is passing the throne to Solomon, this is what he tells him. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. All of us pass away. So be strong and act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Remember, this is what Joshua said. This is what Samuel said. This is what Moses, you know, this is the same thing. Follow God. Obey his commands. It matters. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart, with all their soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. God has promised that if we remain faithful to him, there's going to be a succession of our family that are kings of Israel. Now, there's a spiritual component to this that we'll get to here. It's going to take a while, but we'll get there. Hey, so Solomon is... uh, has this opportunity as he becomes king. Just imagine, again, we talked about what would you do if you had the opportunity to wish for anything you want to. What would happen or what would you do, the first things that you would do, if you became king or a ruler? What types of things would you change? What types of things would be valuable and important to you? And this is what we see about Solomon, his character as a young man. It says that Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in the high places. Now, so there's a bit of a character issue there, but by and large, Solomon wanted to please God. That's how he starts out. This is the, the great character that he has. And so what happens is the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream. And he says, ask for whatever you want. And I will give it to you. Man, here it is. He's got the wishes. He's got all the opportunity. What is he going to say? And Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. And so Solomon starts by acknowledging and remembering that all this good stuff comes from God. But look what he says next. It says, now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon gets one wish. And what he wishes for is for wisdom to know right and wrong, to be able to lead people in a great way. That's a good heart. And we'll see God's response here in just a minute. But think about this and unpack this a bit. Is Solomon's asking for all these other possibilities, and some of them are mentioned here in just a minute, but I wrote down a few things of the different things that Solomon could have wished for. He could have asked God, God, make me the most wealthy person that has ever walked the face of the earth. Or, God, please give me honor so that everybody who comes around me just realizes how great I am and and just talks well about me. Or give me these great, amazing looks. And I can walk around and just uh, look like everything's awesome. Give me security so I never have to struggle I don't have any wars around me that I can live in peace. Give me power. Help people listen to me. Help the the death of my enemies. Help revenge of all these people that I don't like or I don't care for. 
give me long life. All of these many, many things that he could have asked for, right? Think about what are some things that, that more that you could ask for if you had a wish, one wish or whatever. But what Solomon asks for is help me to understand how to lead people and be able to discern right and wrong. Now, sometimes there's part of me that would say, well, right and wrong is easy. You know, you just do what God wants and, and, and that's it. But if we've lived any length of time, is it sometimes hard to determine right and wrong? Sometimes there's not a thus saith the Lord. And when we don't see a thus saith the Lord clear, in, uh, clear command in, in Scripture, what we have to do is we have to fall back on the heart of God. What would God do when he's in a situation like this? If, I, if he was standing right here, how would he act? And that takes wisdom. In fact, especially when we're interacting with other people, you see, and that seems to be the, the crux of Solomon's desire for wisdom, is help me know how to lead other people well so that I can do a good job with what you've given me. Boy, that's a, when we interact with other people, determining right and wrong or the right thing to do at any moment is sometimes difficult because all of us carry all of these these pieces of baggage from history. We have motives that we can't quite uncover. And it's hard to know sometimes how to lead people. In fact, it's hard to know how to lead people all the time. And so what Solomon is praying for is, God, give me wisdom to do this well and do this right. And look at God's response to him. It says, The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So look at what, uh, what Solomon has received here from God. This request makes God really happy. Like, Solomon, you aced the test, man. That's exactly what I wanted you to ask for. That's the heart. Of, this is it. This is the heart I want. Fantastic, Solomon. And because you've asked for that, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. So God says, in a nutshell, Solomon, because you asked for something that was very unselfish, because you were thinking about others when you, I, you asked for your one request, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw all of this other stuff in that you could have asked for and you didn't. In other words, because you've got a heart for me, I'm going to bless you beyond what you can imagine, and I'm going to give you more than you can, you can, you can consider. And we're going to see that in the life of Solomon. We'll deal with some more of it um, next week a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the birth of Jesus some as well as we right after the, the Christmas holiday. But do you see what God's... We see something about the heart of God here. Is that if you put what I want for you and what is going to be good for others first, I'm going to throw all sorts of other stuff in that you don't have to ask for. I'm just going to give it. I'm going to be... Because that's the kind of God I am. I'm, I'm generous. I want to, want to be. Uh, I want to uh, bless you abundantly. And here's a description of the type of wisdom that Solomon developed from God. 
It says that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people in the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And then in the text, there's several people that he was wiser than. Um, and then it says he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish from all nations. People came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Man, what an amazing, amazing life that Solomon gets to lead at this point. Uh, think about, and if you know the stories of Solomon, they're phenomenal. It's kind of like this is the Teddy Roosevelt of, of his age, except much, much more. If you've read any about Teddy Roosevelt, as Roosevelt was a, he was a president, but he was so much more than that. Is he was extremely well read, had this phenomenal, amazing intellect. He would read books sometimes in just a matter of minutes because he could flip through pages so quickly, his brain processed things so, so, uh, so quickly. In fact, the Smithsonian would send him, the museum would send him samples to help them classify plants and animals. And so they'd send it to the President of the United States say, hey, we're stumped on this. Can you help us? And he would help them through it. Phenomenally amazing, brilliant guy. And so think about that with Solomon. As Solomon has these people coming from all over the world saying, all right, we're going to pick your brain here because there's something amazing going on here and we want to understand what's going on. What makes you tick? Come on, show us. And there's one example that has shown the great wisdom of Solomon is there's two ladies that both of them have... Uh, Babies, and one of them, as they uh, as she was sleeping, rolls over on her baby, and the baby passes away. And so she realizes that she's killed her baby. She gets up in the night, switches babies with the other lady. The other lady wakes up and looks. Wait a minute, this isn't my kid. That's my kid over there. And they start fighting, and this comes before Solomon. And so you can imagine these two ladies there that are weeping. And they're giving their sides of the story, and both of them are claiming that the baby that is alive is theirs. And Solomon says, okay, just bring me a sword. I'll cut the baby in half, and they can, they can both share part of the baby. And the mother says, no, 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 let her have the baby. Just don't harm the baby. And Solomon says, okay, this is the real mother. Give her the baby to her. And it's one of those things where nobody in the room would have anticipated that type of wisdom. And Solomon was just several steps ahead of everybody in his intellect and the great wisdom that God had given him. Not only that, as you see, one example is the Queen of Sheba. And she is mentioned in other historical accounts, not only in Scripture. But she was a ruler in Africa. And she heard so much about how wise Solomon is. That she said she came, the text says that she comes with all of her entourage, with all sorts of wealth and gifts to give to Solomon. And she spends time picking his brain and just listening to all the wisdom that he shares. And what she saw is how he ran his house and all of his servants and how he ran the government and all that. The text says that her mind was blown, that she was overwhelmed and said, all right, this is beyond me. You're phenomenal. This is amazing. And she gives glory to God, saying God has truly done something really amazing with giving you this type of wisdom. And so that's how Solomon was able to share the glory of God, because he knew where the wisdom came from. Everyone else knew where the wisdom came from. And so people that would come and, and listen to him would say, Wow, what's some, this is amazing what you've done here. 
Great stories that we see from the time of Solomon there. We continue on what happens. Solomon is uh, the one that is tasked with building the, building the temple of God. David wanted to do it, wanted to do it so bad, but God said, No, David, because you're a warrior and there's blood all over your house, I'm going to let your son do it because he's going to be a man of peace. And so David makes the arrangements, gets them together. They spend seven years building the temple. And this is an artist's rendition of the Temple of Solomon. Just an amazing place where the temple is built there. Uh, there's all these different corridors, different areas where the, and corridors where uh, different parts of the, of the temple were, uh, different pieces were, uh, were kept. And it looked a whole lot like the tabernacle as far as the pattern or the outlay of it. And the Ark of the Covenant was in there in the most holy place. And what an amazing place. And the idea was, this is going to be a place of prayer for all nations so that people could come from all over the world like they were during Solomon's time, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But not only that, is they're going to come and they're going to learn about this great God that has given Solomon all this wisdom. This is going to be a place where people show up from wherever, and they're not going to be able to come into the inner parts of the temple. The only priests go there, and there's places that only Israelites go there. But this is a place where people could be able to travel and come, and there would be priests, there would be religious leaders that would be available there to say, hey, come on, come on in. I'll show you some of this. You can't go in the inner parts, but I'll teach you about this wonderful God. That was the idea. That's what the temple was supposed to be about, so that people could understand this great God that had done so many wonderful things. When uh, the temple is finished, Solomon gets up and he gives this prayer of great humility. God, all of this that we've built here, you've enabled us to build. This is all for you and for your honor. And we're just excited to be able to be a part of stuff right here. And God, in response, speaks to Solomon a second time. Now, this is going to be important because Solomon, God speaks to him and interacts with him twice. And so that's going to come up in the storyline later. But God says, as for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws. I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. And you see this promise just continues? Just be faithful to me. Hey, just follow my laws, because I'm going to bless you beyond what you can imagine, but you've got to do your part, okay? You've got to stick with me. You've got to follow my laws. And not only that, he says, but if your descendants... Turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I have given you and go off and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated in my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. Now, if we fast forward, we see that this happens and it happens more than once because instead of being a place of prayer for all nations where people could come and the Israelites would welcome them and say, hey, come on, we want to teach you about God. We're really excited about him and we want you to know about him. Instead of doing that, what happened is the temple became in itself an idol. The temple is ours. Everybody else has to stay away. No, you may not come here. No, we don't like you. We're God's people. You're not. Get out of here. That's where the attitude developed over time. And something happened, and it happened several times, that the Israelites during the times later could never fathom and never imagine is how could God allow some army come in that does not honor God whatsoever to destroy his temple. And for God, it was very simple. 
is that I don't care about my temple at all of this near as much as I care about people following me with their hearts. We're going to see that happen over and over again. But you see, right when the temple is being dedicated, God says, if you don't follow me, I'm going to destroy this temple. Okay? It's not the most important thing for me. How do you interact with others? That's, that's what's most important. Following me with your heart. So there's some elements of wisdom here that I believe are very important for us to consider and to think about. I think about where Solomon's heart was at when God approached him and said, anything you want, here it is, I'll give it to you. And he says, wisdom, I want wisdom to do right. I've thought about that a lot this week, is how important it is for us to ask for God to bless us with wisdom. In fact, I'm going to read from James. Welcome to turn there. James chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Maybe the reason that God got so excited when Solomon said, Of all the things I could ask for, I ask for wisdom, because I just want to know to do what's right. It's because that's what God wants to ask all of us. And this is from the book of James, from Scripture, saying God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to bless you with it abundantly. you just got to ask for it. And far be it from us to be a people that does not ask for wisdom from God on a regular basis. Amen? I hope that we are people that regularly and consistently ask God for wisdom and don't doubt that he's going to give it, as James continues to say, but that he showers us with wisdom and says when we ask for it, because we know that's going to happen. In fact, we're going to pray for it right now before we go any further. Okay, Let's just uh, approach God with a prayer for wisdom. God, we know that you are a great God, and as we've looked at the example of Solomon, you got so excited when he asked for wisdom. And we pray as a people for each one of us that you give us wisdom to determine right and wrong, to be able to discern your heart. Help us not to be full of ourselves, but help us to be humble and that... um, You may fill us with your wisdom. We believe this and we do not doubt. And we're excited to see how you work in providing us with wisdom throughout this week. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Something to do on a regular basis. Pray for wisdom. Second, we see that it's important to pursue wisdom with the intensity of the Queen of Sheba. The uh, scripture that Noah read here just a minute ago talked about if pursue wisdom... Pursue it with all your heart. Even if it costs you everything you have, having wisdom is more important than having stuff. So sacrifice for it. I remember when I went through my program at Harding years ago uh, to, uh, to earn a master's degree. I assumed when I went down there that that program was going to be full of people who were ministers. That was not the case. Maybe a third to a half of us were ministers. And the rest of the people that were pursuing uh, going to school were people that were doing all sorts of other things. They, got their, uh, they made their living doing other things, but they cared so much about trying to figure out how God could work through them fully to pursue wisdom that they paid out of their own pocket to participate in these classes so that they could earn wisdom or receive wisdom from other people that had walked before them. And I just love it when uh, someone approaches me or... And or I hear people talking about Scripture and, hey, I'm wrestling with this Scripture. I was reading this. I'm trying to understand better. What, what does God want for me? Pursuing wisdom, sacrificing greatly for it because 
we see that that's what the heart of the Queen of Sheba. She was willing to travel a thousand miles plus to come and listen to what Solomon had to say because she said, I've got something to learn. Now, could the Queen of Sheba stayed down in Africa, comfortable, cozy, where she was? Absolutely. Did she have to make that journey? No. But she went because she had some things to learn. So for us, that's something I would recommend for every one of us. We've got New Year's resolutions coming up, right? How many of you already have some New Year's resolutions? (laughs) No, some of you have given up on that, right? Here's something I would recommend for all of us. In this new year, decide this is going to be a year where I really pursue wisdom. I pursue learning a lot of things, going deeper with God, so that I can be more what he wants me to be. I'm going to pray for it, I'm going to put some energy into it, and I'm excited to see where God will answer these prayers of my pursuit of wisdom. And there's a lot worse things. I think if we pursue wisdom, uh, at the end of the year we'll be a lot more excited about it than maybe any other um, New Year's resolution we may make. I'm going to share one more thing here is when we pursue wisdom to remember the end game because wisdom as a pursuit of wisdom in and of itself can lead to all sorts of arrogance and pride and all that sort of thing and oh look how much I know look at how wise I am and that sort of thing and I think that's probably what happened to Solomon we'll talk about that next week but something we see from Ecclesiastes and it's very possible we don't know for sure but it's likely that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes we see at the very end and we talked about Ecclesiastes during the adult class this morning What he does is says, I'm a king of Israel, I have been blessed with abundance, and so I decided to see what really makes a person tick. Where does a person find happiness? Where does a person find contentment? And so what he does is goes through the the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, as I shared this morning, is the ideal self-help book. There's billions of dollars that are spent yearly on self-help books, self-help classes, how do I improve myself, how do I become more efficient, all that sort of things. The pursuit of wisdom in some form or fashion. And there's some great things that I've learned from some of that material and literature. But something that's very important is to remember the end game. And what Ecclesiastes does is it goes through all of these things. He says, I built these big palaces, but you know what? I didn't find long-term contentment in it. I had a harem. I married lots and lots of ladies. And he says, the the delight of the hearts of man. And you know what? I found myself empty by doing so. I uh, pursued all sorts of partying, and I found myself empty. I pursued everything that I could ever imagine the book of Ecclesiastes said, and tried to find contentment, tried to find happiness there, and I found myself completely empty. And he says there in the end, in chapter 12, verse 11, it says, The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. In other words, they help us. They don't allow us to stay stagnant. They keep us moving in a good direction. Given by the shepherd, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, I have heard this scripture right here misquoted over and over again. I don't want to do my homework because scripture says that I shouldn't have to because this is just going to wear me out. That's not what this is about here, right? We do wear ourselves out with trying to find solutions. But ultimately... He says, now all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. So when he comes to the end, he says, take it from me. 
the sooner you learn in life, the earlier you learn that all the stuff that's out there, all the riches, all the attractions you may have, whatever it is, you're not going to find any long-term contentment in those. What you're going to find long-term contentment is, the younger you learn this, the better, is learning that you need to fear God and keep His commandments because that is why you're on this earth. And if you do so, and you pursue wisdom, then what's going to happen is you're going to find some contentment, you're going to find purpose that you never dreamed about. And what an amazing lesson we learned from Solomon, right? You see this comes up over and over again. If you want to honor God, fear Him, keep His commandments, and God takes care of you. That's it. I hope that's a reminder for all of us because it's very easy to be distracted and try to pursue contentment and purpose in all sorts of different ways and put our massive amounts of effort and investment in all sorts of different things that are ultimately going to... I've shared years ago uh, that I had the opportunity um, to race, ski race at a high level, played tennis at a high level, all of that. And all of that just just disappeared. Does it matter? Not really. Some of the most unhappy people I've ever met in my entire life were people that were pursuing those things at all cost. And so the sooner we learn to pursue God with everything we've got, the more contentment, the more purpose we find in life. That's a lesson that is beyond any self-help book that we can, we can uh, find great answers to. Let's learn some great stuff from the life of Solomon. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, head to the back. Let's stand and sing together.